0: hallelujah. I feel the presence of God in this room this morning. I can't think of a better atmosphere to bring the word of God in. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Amen. I'm trusting that somebody is going to leave here changed today, that somebody is going to leave here with an answer that they didn't have today. Amen. I want, to, I want to just say right quick, I looked around and I saw several across this building who throughout this summertime have been filled, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Just raise your hand if you were baptized with the Holy Ghost this summer. Amen. Can we thank God for the outpouring of His Spirit in our church? Can we just, come on, let's just give the Lord some thanks for that. God has been doing some stuff in our church. I believe He's been calling people closer to Him. I give God praise and honor for that. Brother Greg, do you remember a few months ago at First Monday Prayer, we bound together, several of us, and we started praying for an outpouring of the Spirit that God would baptize people with the Holy Ghost. And it's happened over this summer. God is a prayer answering God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse number 17. If you want to turn with me there. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I've got a little pressure on me today. Um, Amanda, who's been coming just a short time, was supposed to be out of town. And I told her I was preaching, and then she uh, she pushed her trip back. So y'all pray for me to preach real good today. Amen. <laughs> hey, thank you for staying, Amanda. And Matt, Matt Walner, it's good to see you here today, man. We love you. It's a great guy right there. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I want you to, to follow along as I read. On one of those days... Just just stop for a moment and picture with me. They've come all this way. They've brought their friend who can't bring himself because he's paralyzed. He has no ability to help himself. They get to the house where Jesus is, and the crowd is so thick that they can't get to Jesus. And because of the crowd, they couldn't find a way to bring him in. So listen to what they did. They went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise and walk? He says this, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And hear what happened. It says immediately, he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Today, God gave me this message. I didn't didn't get an idea. It just kind of came to me out of nowhere. And I kind of struggle with it. But I feel like the Lord has laid this on my heart. Is that, that there are times in life where the level that you're living on presents a problem for you. That you cannot get through. That you cannot make it through. Anybody ever had a problem like that? A problem that you can't get through. And so today I've come to tell you that your answer is not on the level that you're on. But here's the title to my message. The answer is on another level. It's not where you've been living. It's not where you're at right now. But it's on another level. Can we bow our heads and pray? Lord, we pray your spirit would speak in this place, God, that you administer. And God, that at the end of this service somebody would find their way into your presence in the name of Jesus. We believe it because your word declares it. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. You can be seated. Anybody ever been stuck? I mean, like really stuck. I was uh, 17 years old, and my dad had bought me a uh, a little Ford Explorer Sport, a two-door Ford Explorer, and I thought, you know, I could take on the world with that Explorer. Well, in San Antonio, where I grew up, there are uh, common flash floods when you get a heavy thunderstorm. And one night I was on the way home and it had been raining a good bit. And uh, I tried to go one route to the house and uh, I came to a low water crossing and it was just, it was deep. It was like four feet deep already. And I I said, I can't do that. And so there was another back way around the house and there were some crossings there, but I thought I would try that. So I went around this other direction and uh, I went through just a couple inches of water at a low water crossing. I thought I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm home. I'm not stuck. I'll I'll be able to get home tonight. And uh, I rounded another curve about a mile away, and then there was another deep water crossing. And so trying to get home, I turned back around to go the way that I'd come. And where previously there had just been a few inches of water, suddenly, I I don't know where it came from, and something busted loose, but when I got back, it had risen to a couple of feet of water. And I thought, well, you know, I can do this. I'm 17. If I just gas it hard enough, I'll get through the low water. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I gassed it. But what I didn't realize is the low water was about the width of a football. Field. It was about 100 yards across. And I gassed it and gunned it, and I got about halfway through. And put putt, putt, put, putt. <laughs> the car died. And I looked out the door, and the water was just below the door. It was above the footboards on the side of the vehicle. And I thought, oh no, what am i going to do. I got on my cell phone. I was trying to call. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. It was raining cats and dogs. And all of a sudden, it was dusk. I saw these headlights hit me in the eyes. And I rolled down my window. And I heard a man yelling at me, get out of the car. Get out of the car. I said, you mean in that? He said, yes. It's the only way you're going to get out. And so I, I hopped out of the car, climbed out water sloshing in to the floor pan. And and I closed the door and I started walking towards the guy. I just was going to leave the car. You know, dad was paying for it. No big deal. See you later. But the man threw me a rope and I tied it to the front bumper of my car and he pulled me out. I was stuck by myself. I just needed somebody to come and pull me out of where I was stuck at. Anybody ever been there? You just can't get out on your own. You're just stuck in life. There was no way for me and my explorer to get to where I needed to be. Now, here's the rest of the story. The guy happened to have no arms. I'm not lying. He, he had two prosthetic arms and was saving me. And I thought, man, like there, there's got to be a message in there somewhere. Here I am able-bodied and, and he came to my rescue. And, and so we all find ourselves in places that we are stuck in. In the great northern state of Maine, the locals have a saying they love to use on visitors to the state. When asked how to get from one of Maine's remote locations to another, they will say, well, you can't get there from here. You can't get there from here. And what they mean is that the route is so ridiculously difficult that it would be too hard to tell you how to make the trip. Anybody ever got directions like that? You, you said, how do I get somewhere? And about the fourth turn, you're like, can you just ride it down? Thank the Lord for iPhones and GPS because <laughs> you don't have to pull into gas stations and ask for directions. One time I asked my dad for directions and he says, what you do is you go and you take a, a right turn by the rusty gate and it's just no piece down there. I said, how far is no peace? He said, well, you know, it's just no piece. I was like, is that one mile? Is that a hundred feet? What is that? Well, the main... Uh, uh, residents of Maine will say, you can't get there from here. It's just too hard to tell you how to get there. And the saying eventually slipped out of Maine, and it's often used in tourist destinations like Boston, where it's common to be able to see the destination you're trying to go to, but not have a direct path on the road to get there. And, and, and you can look it up. There are map routes. I, I, I found a blogger yesterday that posted all of these map routes of places that were Literally hundreds of yards apart, but it was a 10-minute drive to get. You can't get there from here. You're stuck. You might as well just wave the ice cream place goodbye. You'll never get there from here. And so when, when I first moved to Monroe, that's exactly how I felt when I, one day there was a wreck on the interstate and all the traffic went on to the other two bridges and there was no way across. I needed to get back across the bridge into Monroe and I could see it, but I couldn't get there. I could see it. it was right there, but I had no ability in myself and because of the traffic to get to where I needed to go. And life is like that sometimes because sometimes it seems like there's no way to get to where we need to be. The paychecks come in, but the bills go out just as fast. And we want a better future, but I can't find how to get there from here. We want better relationships and and families, but the same old pitfalls and problems keep coming between us and where we need to be. We seek to be free from our struggle and our sin, but every time it seems like we're getting close, we find that it's just not as easy to get there as we thought it would be. Can I get an amen? We want to find spiritual freedom and abundant life, but we can't get there. We can see it. We're close enough that we can almost touch it, but we just can't apprehend it. And there is no feeling as frustrating and as faith-defeating as trying with everything that you've got and finding out that you are unable to do it by yourself. The paralyzed man in Luke chapter 5 is the perfect picture of our struggle. He was paralyzed, unable to do anything for himself, unable to lift himself up out of his circumstances. Due to some unspoken tragedy in his life or in his birth, he was immobilized by his history. But this day, the Bible says, he found himself carried by friends to a house where Jesus His teaching. And Jesus' reputation had preceded him. They heard that he was a healer. They heard that no man could do the things that he could do. And though there was a long history of struggle, that day there was a flicker of hope in the heart of that man and his friends. So they made their way to the house where Jesus was teaching. I don't know what conversation went on. I don't know how it went, but I don't know if it was his idea or his friend's idea. But one of them said, did you hear that Jesus is here? And Jesus is the one who heals the people who came." Walk and the the blind who can't see. Did you know that Jesus was here? And they get a band together and they come to the house to see what it's all about. Luke 5 17 picks up there on one of those days as he's teaching. Listen to this Pharisees and teachers of the law are sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And listen, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. That everything that the man needed was in the house. It was in the presence of Jesus. The power of God was upon him that day. Others had already been healed. He was healing that day. It wasn't like he showed up on a day where he was uh escaping there are days the bible says right before this in scripture that he would retreat to some quiet place to pray but on this day the healing business was open the healing house was available and there were people there who had come from all over with equally difficult problems and not just them but a large portion of the crowd were pharisees and teachers of the law who came to test what jesus was saying Teachers and Pharisees from all over have come. And behold, here come the men uh, uh, bringing the man on the bed who was paralyzed. They all believed one thing. And here's what they believed. They believed that the answer was in the presence of Jesus. That they, if they could just get in the house and lay him before Jesus, they believed that he could be made whole again. They believed that Jesus had everything that this man needed to have a new life. He was weak, but Jesus was strong. He was unable to help himself, paralyzed, but Jesus had power, and power was... And so let me just stop here and say that if you feel stuck spiritually today, if you feel unable to help yourself, like you've been trying everything that you know how to try and you seem to be making no progress, hear me today that Jesus has everything that you need. He has what I don't have. I'm a sinner, but he's sinless. I am weak, but he is strong. I am lost. But He is the way, the truth, and the life. And hear me today that the first step to finding your answer is to start looking in the right place. The paralyzed man stopped looking everywhere else and started putting his hope in Jesus. Started putting his faith in Jesus. If I can just get into the presence of Jesus, it wasn't just his faith. His friends agreed with him. And the Bible says that if two or three agree is touching anything... It shall be done. Let me just, this isn't in my notes, but let me pause here and say you need to get friends who are faithful around you. Friends who believe that all things are possible. Friends who believe in a better future for you. Friends who believe in a better tomorrow for you. Friends that will point you to Jesus. The answer is in the presence of Jesus. Because he has what I don't have. And the paralyzed man stopped looking everywhere else and started looking at Jesus. And, and, and imagine his frustration when he arrives and he can find no way into the house where Jesus was. I mean, they could see him through the windows, peering over the ledge. They could, they could see him, but they couldn't reach him. The crowd was too thick and in the way. And unfortunately, this happened all the time in Jesus' ministry. We know about the woman with the issue of blood that she had to physically push through the crowd in order to get into the presence of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus had to yell like a madman, "Jesus, our Son of David, have mercy on me!" Just to get his attention over the crowd to be heard. Zacchaeus was short. I'm gonna give him an amen today because I feel his pain. That's all Zacchaeus had wrong with him. If Zacchaeus was six foot seven, he wouldn't be in the Bible. Because he could have seen Jesus right from where he was at. But all my short people can relate. Zacchaeus was in the crowd and he wanted to see Jesus. And so Zacchaeus had to climb up over a tree just in order to get a sight of Jesus. It happened all the time in Jesus' ministry. People with needs who were blocked uh, uh, and who were bound. And, and this crowd is holding back those who are trying to get Jesus. Blocking them and binding them. And I'm here to tell you that there will always be reasons that it's easier to walk away way than to run to Jesus. There will always be plenty of reasons to walk away because I can imagine them walking up to the house and say, well, we tried. Let's come back tomorrow. So we did last Sunday because all the other churches beat us to the restaurant. We walked up to two restaurants said, the crowd's too thick. We out of here. <laughs> we went to Slim Chickens, praise the Lord. Got right in. Fried chicken on a Sunday. Because <laughs> y'all know how it is. We have to wait in line to see if maybe he might heal. We have to deal with all... Nope, listen, nobody nobody got out of the way. Can you imagine? They've got him on his bed. He's paralyzed. Jesus is in the house healing. They're like, you ain't getting my healing. <laughs> Sister Connie, will call you out. Them lines, they can get to us, can't they? <laughs> she posted yesterday about a long line at Old Navy. I feel your pain because I don't like waiting for anything. I don't like waiting for anything. But here they show up and there's plenty of reasons to leave. Well, maybe we'll catch him on another day. Maybe if we wait to the end, we can, we can catch him as he, he gets out the side of the house. Or, uh, but the crowd was plenty of reason to go home that day. There will always be reasons that it's easier to walk away. And there will always be a crowd to contend with. The crowd, listen to this, is a faith tester. How much do you really believe that he has your answer? What are you willing to do to find your way into his presence? The crowd will always be a test because there will always be something that's uncomfortable, something that doesn't, that doesn't feel right, that doesn't feel good, that, that you have to go through in order to get into the presence of the one who has your answer. One thing is clear, they couldn't find their way through the crowd. And so let's take a moment and look at the crowd It was a gathering of religious minds from Jerusalem and Galilee and all throughout the country. Somebody had planned it. They ambushed Jesus that day. Everybody showed up to prove Jesus wrong. Pharisees and teachers of the law had come from all over to hear Jesus uh, and test him against what they believed and knew to be true. And, And they sat and listened as Jesus was teaching. They didn't come for healing, they came for an intellectual dialogue, they came for theological discussion. It was a religious crowd doing religious things. And they had come to have a conversation. When the paralytic man arrives, no one moves aside. No one makes a way. No one tells uh, the crowd part, let him come through. Because the simple truth is that on the surface level, there was no way into the presence of God. They were just surface level seekers. On the ground level, just checking it out. Just religious people doing what religious people do. Just philosophical, theological minds bumping ideas around and maybe seeing what this Jesus was about. And you see what's happening here is surface level spirituality didn't create a path to healing and forgiveness. Religious routine... Theological discussion and surface level spirituality could not provide what this man needed to break free from his paralysis. I I know I'm getting there. And I knew this message would be different. But I I need some of you all to hang with me for a second. Because when he gets there, he's greeted by a crowd on his surface level. That they're just the religious crowd. and, And there's no way through it. There's no way through that to what he needs. And so the reason that people are spiritually stuck is because they keep looking for surface-level answers to spirit-level issues. Hold on with me. Well, if I just read my Bible a little more, my marriage is in trouble. If I just go to church more, God will take care of it. If I... I listen to more theology podcasts. I'm guilty of that. I listen to them all the time. If I listen to podcasts about Jesus, then, then I'm sure something will break free eventually. If I, if I just listen to Christian radio for a week, maybe, maybe this stuff that I can't get through, maybe this stuck feeling will go away. Maybe my paralyzed marriage will get better. Maybe I won't struggle with sin no more if I just, if I just faithfully attend church. Hear me today. The reason people are so spiritually stuck is because they keep looking on the surface level for answers that are on a spiritual level. Hear me. That surface level spirituality will not set you free. Doing religious things... Having religious conversations won't set you free. You've got to find a way into the presence of a God who has the power to change you. You've got to find your way into the presence of the one who has the answers. Hear me. That God is omnipresent. I know what some of you are thinking. We just learned how God is omnipresent. If God's everywhere, how do I get into His presence? Or how do I not be in His presence? Let me tell you, we're all in the omnipresence of God right now. Does anybody agree with that? Every one of us are in the omnipresence of God right now. But there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Jesus was God manifest in flesh, right? And so He was there, and not only was Jesus God manifest in flesh, but power was manifesting in His presence that day and so you can be in the presence of God and not really be in the presence of God. In fact, we can leave the manifest presence of God. When Cain went out to roam the earth in Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that Cain fled and left the presence of God. Jonah, when he's called to preach, and he runs away from God because he doesn't want to preach to Nineveh, The Bible says he fled from the presence of God. How how do we leave the presence of God? I'll tell you how. It's when there are unsubmitted areas in our heart and in our life. It's when there are sins that we would rather keep than a Savior we would rather serve. That's when we leave the presence of God. It's when we start choosing everything else rather than Jesus. Isaiah 59, hear me. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that you cannot, uh, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And so you who came feeling stuck today, your problem isn't a, a, a paralyzed problem. Your problem is really a presence problem because when we live outside of the presence of God and we don't realize that it's in the presence of God that we find the fullness of joy and pleasures at his right hand forevermore. And so your problem isn't what you think it is. Your problem is that you just haven't entered into the presence of the one who can change it. Listen to me. You can pray and not enter the presence. Anybody ever done it? Thank you, Lord, for this food. Blessed to our bodies. Good bread, good meat. Good Lord, let's eat. (laughs) You can pray and not enter the presence of God. You can have your morning devotion and read the scripture and not enter the presence of God. Hear me today. You can sing and not enter the presence of God. You can come to a church service on a Sunday and and everything is happening that needs to be happening around you, and still not enter into the presence of God. You can read your Bible and not enter into His presence. And the paralytic and his friends realize that it's not just enough to have this surface-level experience where I'm disconnected from Jesus. Is I can't find my answer down here. And and so here's what happens. Is the scripture says one of them, I don't know who, one of them stepped back and started looking at the crowd. And they said, There's just no way to do it this way. This unemotional, unattached, unworshipping way. There's no way to get there just by showing up at church because my wife said I should go. There's no way to get there from here. And one of his friends stepped back and they saw another level. They were looking at the level that everybody else was on. They saw something at a different level. One of them looked up and they saw the roof and they said, man, the crowd is down here and we can't find a way down here. But if we go a little higher and if we go into another dimension, then we can find what we need there. See, you can... Be a Christian and do Christian things without entering the presence of God. But understand this. There is another level of living for God. And it's called living in His presence. It's called worshiping until you feel the manifest presence. Not just the omnipresence. Because let me tell you something. Being in a church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Singing songs doesn't mean you're a Christian. Understand this, they knew that if this guy is going to leave here changed, if this guy's life is going to be forever altered, if he he can't help himself, he's paralyzed. But if we can just get him into the presence of Jesus, he can be healed. Finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up. Somebody said they went up. They went up. You see, our problem is we look too low. We skirt the edges of religiosity. And hope for something that will set us free. Here's what I've come to tell you today. That when we cannot make it through. When we can find no way through. There is always a way over it. There's always a way above it. When I can't get through it. I can rise above it. And here's the truth that I've come to preach to you. as worship is my way in. Worship elevates my perspective Worship takes my eyes off of what is happening around me to the answer that is above me. Worship stops looking at how many things are in the way and how many reasons there are to turn around and walk away the same. And worship starts taking in the the awesomeness of a mighty and a holy God. Worship lifts your eyes above the crowd. Listen to this. The wise man Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Go read it sometime. It's a great book. And he, he said that he considered everything that was under the sun He said he gave his soul to search out all things that were done under the sun. And he said, I found that all of it is vanity and vexation of your soul and of your spirit. He said, I tried drunkenness. I tried mirth. I tried laughter. I tried relationships. I tried uh, wealth. I tried knowledge. I tried building business. I tried all of this stuff. And he said, I found that everything under the sun is vanity and vexation of soul. That's the legacy that Solomon left, is a life of wisdom that came from doing it the wrong way. But his father David left a different legacy because David wasn't as rich as Solomon and he didn't live in a time of peace like Solomon did. David came from the sheep coat, the Bible says. He came from being a little shepherd boy into the palace of the king. And David had enemies. He had Saul's that he had to face. He had Absalom's that he had to face. David was constantly at battle, dealing with uprisings and war. But David was a worshiper in his heart. And listen to what David says in the Psalms. He didn't say, when I consider the things that are done under the sun. He says this. He says, when I consider the heavens and the work of thy hands... The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of me? And what is the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. David said, I see the trouble. I see the struggle. I see how stuck I am on my own. I see the mess that my sin creates. He says, but I'm not looking on a surface level. He says, I'm lifting my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help Somebody say it's above me My answer is above me It's not down here It's not in what I can do I love this this picture Because the man was paralyzed He could not save himself He could not do it on his own And I don't care how good of a Christian you try to be You cannot do it on your own You can't do it on your own Worship isn't just something we do on Sundays to fill a schedule or to attract a crowd. But worship takes my eyes above what's around me and lifts them a little higher. Worship takes me out of the lower dimensions of doubt and into the presence of God. And I can't get into the presence of God with surface level Christianity. So how do I enter the presence of God? You know, the Psalms tell us how. It says I gotta go a little higher. Psalm one hundred. Serve the Lord with gladness. Listen to this. Come before his presence with singing know you that the Lord, He is God. It's He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Listen, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to every generation. The Lord is near to all that call on Him and all who call on Him in truth. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with singing and thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalm. For the Lord is a great God and a king. Listen to where he's at. Above all gods. Worship. Somebody say worship. Worship allows me to enter into his presence. Listen, I'm about to wrap up. You can come and begin to play softly, Brother Toby. But Paul and Silas... They were stuck too. The Bible says they were arrested for preaching the gospel. And there they are in a cell at midnight. It would be easy to be down when you've been arrested for declaring the gospel to people. It would, easy, uh, it would be easy to give up your worship and praise and to complain. And to focus on the prison bars in the cell around you. But the book of Acts tells us that Paul and Silas began to sing... Songs in the midnight hour. They began to sing in the middle of their mess. No reason to sing, really, other than that God had saved them and delivered them. In that moment, they would have had plenty of reasons to say, you know what, we'll sing another day. But in the midnight hour, somebody hear me. In the midnight hour, Paul and Silas began to sing praises. They begin to sing praises behind prison bars. No church service. No musicians. No worship leaders saying lift up your hands. Just two men who realize that our hope is not down here. It's above us. And Paul and Silas, I believe they just lifted their hands in a prison cell and they begin to sing. They begin to worship God. I don't believe that they could have predicted what the presence of God would do when it came in. Because they weren't worshiping in order to shake prison bars. They were worshiping because they loved God. They were worshiping because He had done so much in their life. And you know what they did? They entered His presence with thanksgiving. Everything is wrong. They've been captured and caught and thrown into prison. But they're still thanking God. They're still praising God. They're still loving on God. And as they begin to sing in the midnight hour, I don't know what they sang. Maybe it was, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Maybe it was that, I don't know. But they began to sing. And when the presence of God began to manifest in their midst, I want you to see what happened. As they worshipped, the prison began to shake. The ground began to shake. The prison bars, the Bible says, were open to them. And they found a level of freedom that they couldn't find in a surface level experience. I know this is a different message. But I'm preaching to somebody here who you've come to church and you clap and you sing. But you've never really entered into the presence of God. You've never really taken time to to get that close to Jesus. I'm pulling, I feel the Holy Ghost pulling on somebody right now. What happens in the presence of God? The Bible says now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What these four men understood about their friend is that he could never really be free until he got in the presence of Jesus. And so the Bible says they climbed up on a roof and they began to rip back the tile and the thatching on the roof and they lowered him down into the presence of the Most High God manifest in flesh. And when he comes down, the crowd kind of scatters and he, he lowers down right in front of Jesus. And Jesus marvels at the faith. And listen to what he says. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Been like <clears throat> Jesus, uh, that's not what we came here for. <laughs> that's not. I didn't come looking for forgiveness. I just needed an answer. Can anybody relate to that? I didn't come to church looking for forgiveness. I just my life was messed up. My marriage was broken. My children were lost. I I was confused. I needed. A, he just came looking for an answer. But when he got into the presence of Jesus, he found forgiveness. He said son my sins be forgiven you And Jesus uses them as an example To mess with all the theology of the Pharisees He says you guys I know you guys don't believe that I can forgive But he said which is easier to say Is it easier to say I forgive you Or is it easier to say Rise take up your bed And walk Jesus could have just forgiven him And sent him on his way brother Daryl But he says to them Rise take up your mat And the Bible says immediately the man stood up and took up the thing that he had been laying on and he carried it out, glorifying God. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. You see what happens when you enter the presence of God? What happens is you find forgiveness there. If you're here today, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, And you've been struggling with sin or addiction, struggles in your life that you know aren't pleasing to God. I want to tell you that if you'll enter his presence and if you'll take your issue to another level, if you'll finally give your heart to worship him, you'll find forgiveness in the presence of God. And if you'll come into the presence of God, listen, just like Paul and Silas, it may look like midnight where you're at. There may be prison bars around you, but understand this if you'll plug in to the presence of God. The Bible says not only did he find forgiveness, but he found healing and he was made whole in the presence of God. What I want to do at the end of this service is we're going to create an opportunity. The worship team is going to come back and we're going to sing one more song. But at the end of this service, if you've been struggling, If you've been stuck, I'm here to tell you that just coming to church isn't going to do it. You've got to get in the presence of God. You've got to get in the presence of the Most High God. I wonder if as the music plays, if somebody wouldn't just raise their hands. And begin to walk down this aisle. And in this altar call, what we're going to do is we're just going to begin to lift up Jesus. We're going to begin to thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. We're going to get our eyes off of the struggle. We're going to get our eyes off of the trouble. And we're going to take a moment to enter into the presence of God. I wonder, would you step out of your aisle? Hey, can we just take a moment at the end of the service? I'm asking the whole church. Anybody, if you're a member of Christian Life Church, I want you to come down and create an atmosphere of worship before we go home. I believe that somebody is going to find their answer on another level today. Maybe you've held back. Maybe you're saying, I'm not an emotional person. You don't have to do it my way but if you'll just get into the presence of God and say, Jesus, I need you more than anything that I need in my life. I need your presence to come. God, I need your presence right where I'm at. God, right in the middle of my prison, right in the middle of my paralysis, I need your presence, God. I don't need anything else. Nothing else will do, Lord. I need your presence. Come on, that's it. Can we lift our hands across this room and just invite the presence? Oh, God, we've got to go to another level.